So the storm's approaching. They tell you, you only have like a couple of minutes. You have to grab the most vital essentials and you have to leave where you're at. What do you take? What do you bring? What are the couple of things that are hunkered down in your arms that you run out of your house with? You must keep stuff that you cannot part with. That's next on this episode of the Gratitude Journal Podcast. This is the Gratitude Journal Podcast. Oh my God, I am so cold in this basement. It's not even funny. Uh, Welcome back to this, another edition of the Gratitude Journal Podcast. Matthew is my name. And uh, I don't know, can you see the icicles in my mustache or my goatee? Because I'll tell you what, It just feels so cold, mainly because it is cold here in the basement layer. It is about, it's 19 degrees outside right now, but that is a veritable heat wave compared to what it's been the last couple of days through the Christmas holiday as I record this the day after Christmas 2022. First of all, even amongst the frigid conditions of the basement layer, I hope that you have had a remarkable holiday, a relaxing holiday. That's the line that I've put on the few cards that I've sent out and the cards that I've sent out to clients, because I know I'm not going to get anything from my clients. They just don't do that. Um, But I like to send a card out to my clients to thank them, you know, for having me on their respective teams. And uh, usually there's kind of a line that I like to use. And this year's line was relaxing holidays. And because I've been telling myself over and over during the holidays, I was going to try to relax. That's tough for me to do. But here's hoping that your holidays have been relaxing, that they've been enjoyable And uh, that uh, Christmas 2022 uh, has been a good one for you. We have endured, like most of the country, an amazing array of weather phenomena, mostly involving Alberta Clippers. And there's something about a bomb, something or other, you know, when the temperature drops, you know, 40 some degrees in a span of like two minutes. And then it's coupled with snow and ice and sleet and everything else. Yeah, that's kind of what it was like. It's almost like being on another planet. You know, have to go out and get the newspaper or, you know, in the old days, let the doggies out. Uh, you, know, you walk out there and you think like you're on the surface of some, you know, you know, faraway galaxy that, you know, no human should be out amongst this. And that's kind of the way it's felt. And uh, but, you know, we're safe. We're warm. I'm trying to keep the thermostat down enough to not get the $400 energy bill. And at the same time, where Donna doesn't constantly say about every two minutes, I'm freezing because, uh, you know, I've been feeling that myself. So uh, that's what we've been doing. Well, we're good. We're safe. We're warm. We have food in the refrigerator and we made it through another Christmas. So I've been experiencing kind of a situation with one of the many external hard drives that I have here in the studio. And I've noticed this happening 
over the course of this past year where this kind of older Glyph hard drive, and Glyph is a well-known name, you know, in computer circles, and it's uh, been a hard drive that I've never really had issues with before, but I've noticed that when I reboot the computer after, you know, a software update or something like that, it would take a long time for the drive to boot up and turn on. And so I kept saying to myself, you know, I have to do something about this drive because obviously it's not you know, functioning right, but it kind of went by the wayside. And uh, so lately over the past week or so, my computer has not been reading this drive. Now, the problem here, it's, it's twofold, really. One, there's a lot of stuff on this drive. Mainly, there, is a lot of, uh, there are a lot of photographs on this drive, photographs in raw format. You photographers will know what I'm talking about, where you take photos in raw, meaning non-JPEG, knowing that you've kind of put them in respect to folders and you're going to sort of toy with them in post-production to get them to look the way you want. And I have a number of these photos, you know, just in folders from the past couple of years that I just haven't gotten to, including our niece's wedding uh, from this past summer. And so I have them in these folders and I keep telling myself I need to get to these. And so that's a problem. The other problem, though, is I, I'm, I haven't been a total dumbass when it comes to hard drives and storing your stuff because I you know, took the advice of someone and I paid for an annual subscription to something called iDrive, which is basically a cloud server. And from the past couple of years of computers, you know, failing and I'm worrying that they're failing and I would copy like whole desktops of stuff over to hard drives in anticipation of something bad happening. I know that I have maybe one to two copies of a lot of things that I don't need duplicate copies of. And I just let iDrive upload all this stuff. And I keep saying to myself, I'll get to this down the road. Well, I got a notification last month that uh, iDrive, uh, I've reached my quota. And so I was telling the IT person who does some work for me that this was happening because he suggested using iDrive and he said, hey, don't go over your quota because they will charge you an arm and a leg. And I said, okay, fine. You know what? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take that Glyph drive off of iDrive. And this will give me an opportunity to go through it, you know, on my own, you know, local server. And then once I have eliminated the stuff that are doubles, then I will re-upload to iDrive to save the stuff that I want to save. So it sounds like a perfect plan, right? Well, between the time that I took it off iDrive and now the time that I want to go into it and play with it and delete and then re-upload to iDrive, now the drive doesn't work. Like I can't get the computer to load it. And so I've been sitting back thinking, you know, if a storm hit, I've always thought about this, you know, there's poor people in, you know, really storm centric areas where they have to like abandon their house and take like the most important things. What would I take if I were confronted with the same thing? And 
I thought to myself, okay, I just lost nearly everything. What am I going to do? I, there's nothing I can do. I can beat myself up, whatever. I'm sitting in a shelter. You know, I'm trying to imagine myself in their position. I have a couple of things in my arms here. These are the things that I was able to grab. All the other stuff, it could be lost. It could be done. And I thought to myself, as I was looking at this drive, yeah, it's lit up, but my computer won't recognize it. What do I do with all this stuff? How do I survive? Maybe it wasn't all that critical anyway, right? I mean, if I took this long to go through the photos, maybe the photos weren't all that important to me. If I took this long to go through the desktop of the desktop of various past computers, you know, like I want to save this, I want to get rid of that. If I haven't done it yet, then maybe it's not all that important to me. Or maybe it's just time to live in the present and start from scratch right now. But I have to admit that it hurts. The other thing that makes me ponder this is what are those things that are must-haves? There's no negotiating when it comes to these things. The storm is on its way. It's here. I have to run. What do I take? What do you take? What are you most grateful for to have in your possession that cannot be not in your possession? Of all the photographs that I've taken, I'm probably most grateful of the photograph that I took where Donna and Maggie were out on the back deck. And I said, hey, I want to get a picture of you guys. And just the way that she kind of cradled her face and her head in this picture, it just represents everything that's great about both of them. I mean, Donna has this magnanimous smile. I mean, really, it's the smile that could launch a million ships. And everybody said, and is that even the, the right analogy, or the verbiage that I should be using? I don't know. It's the first thing that came into my mind. And people for years have often said, Donna, you have the really nicest smile. And she does. She just has a smile that just lights up a room. And around here in the basement layer, I have a couple of different pictures of her. It's just really just her face just smiling because she just has this just really magnanimous smile and it's like it was her smile and just the way maggie would kind of look at you they were like combined in the same photo and the color saturation was good it was a it was late morning and the sun really hadn't like come to its full fruition yet and and it's just one of my favorite photos and luckily it's not on that glyph drive i mean it's probably somewhere on that glyph drive but it's also in other locations where i haven't lost that and i would say that would probably be a keepsake that i would want to grab as you know the volcano was spilling its lava down onto my home that's the thing that i would probably grab first and foremost i would probably include a photo that somebody took of me and several of my friends at the seminary it's one of those photos that now when i look at it i think 
one of the persons who should have been in that photo wasn't in the photo. And one of the persons who's in that photo is kind of one of person I probably wouldn't want him in the photo, but that's just the way it worked out. I'm not going to say which, okay, but I do have that as sort of like a prized possession. That's another thing, you know, as as the hurricane is approaching and I have to get out because when I get back, you know, my home is just going to be down to the studs and there's not going to be anything there. I would probably grab that photo as well. So it does make me think like, is a photo something that you are so grateful to have in your possession that it's a thing that you would take immediately before the storm hit? Why are these things so important to us? Why do we attach such importance to them? For years, I collected sports memorabilia. Like, I wanted to have a room full of sports memorabilia that was important to me. And selfishly, that kind of matriculated into, well, I want to have this room so when people come into this room, they'll go, wow, this is a great sports memorabilia room. And I would go, yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah, I've been collecting a few things over the years. And, and you know, go on to tell important tales about, oh, this is some infield dirt that I got during a Milwaukee Braves uh St. Louis, sorry, Milwaukee Brewers, St. Louis Cardinals game uh, four days before they closed Old County Stadium. Oh, yeah, this is, um, yeah, it's a a piece of uh, like the infield that I got when I kind of reached down, you know, over, you know, the first baseline while at Coors Field in Denver. And um, so I snagged this, you know, stories like that. And then I began to realize that I wasn't really attaching importance to them based on something that I would grab when the storm hit. I was making it sort of more egotistical. And over the years, what I've realized is these cool pendants or like a hat or some infield dirt, or, you know, like a collectible from maybe like a year that the Cleveland Indians went to the playoffs, their importance was sort of going away. Like the people who probably would have come down into the sports memorabilia room probably either have already seen it or they just were not going to make it up here to see it or, you know, the act of them coming to see some stuff that I had had lost its luster and the importance of that had gone kind of gone away. And I began to slowly but surely detach myself from the importance of some of these things And I began to look at them in a little different light. For instance, here are some bobbleheads from certain years of the Pittsburgh Pirates. And I have a soft spot for the Pittsburgh Pirates because my father played in the Pirates organization for a very short time. And growing up, you know, my grandparents are from West Virginia and my parents are from West Virginia. And in that section of West Virginia, they follow Pittsburgh teams. And my grandmother and I would watch the Pittsburgh Pirates on Channel 7 out of Wheeling. 
And then I would listen to Bob Prince do Pirates games on KDKA. And and like that meant something to me. I had sort of a soft spot for the Pirates. And so I was collecting some Pirates memorabilia. But then I began to think, well, the people who would probably find it interesting if they were to walk into this room either I've been here or they're never going to come here. So what's the point? And maybe somebody from Pittsburgh who grew up with this team might enjoy that. Or maybe a collector who is collecting them might fork over a few coins for this memorabilia. But for the most part, it was kind of giving it to people and saying to myself, you know what, I'll bet so-and-so would really enjoy this and say, hey, I want you to have this. This is a piece of memorabilia that I've been kind of carting around for a long time. And I am trying to attach less importance to these things. And so are there things that are impossible for you to part with? Donna has an attachment to things, but I think it's much like her mom had an attachment to things because she grew up in an era where, as a family, they didn't have very much. And Donna's not quite as bad as her mom, but her mom was just really a collector of things. It was important to have a lot of things around her because, I mean, she had a living room floor that was basically dirt. It wasn't even wood. Like there wasn't even a subfloor, much less carpet, you know, or linoleum. It was kind of like a dirt floor. And so she grew up in some ways without a lot of stuff, you know, kids rooms separated by sheets or curtains hung up on like a clothesline to make it pretend like you had a room to yourself. And that's in some ways how she grew up. So her response to having things is maybe like, um, you know, overcompensating for not having stuff. So now I'm going to have a bunch of stuff. And so I kind of get a little bit about, you know, where she's coming from. But I've never been like a big tchotchke uh, person, and I don't attach a lot of importance to these tchotchkes, but she tends to attach a good amount of importance to them. And I'm sort of in, I guess for want of a better word, sort of minimalism mode. Like I want to find those few things that are of importance to me and just go with those. And so, you know, we have a conflict there. And even down here in the man cave, uh, in the basement lair, I have things that I've been carrying around for years. I mean, in 1998, I won an award, an Addy Award, like from the Knoxville Advertising Federation for some commercial that I wrote and produced. And it's in a beautiful frame. I mean, Donna did a lovely job framing it. And I look at it and think, okay, well, that's what, 20 five years old. I mean, what is, what is that saying about me? I mean, I, I'm continuing to cart, cart it around. Does it, I mean, I'm grateful for having won the award, but what does it mean? And is that one of the things that I would grapple with as I was, you know, fleeing my home because, 
you know, the eye of the cyclone, you know, was approaching. Is that one of the things that I would grab? I don't know. We were at my sister's house over the holidays and I watched as they gathered around to open their presents. And I looked around the room at really the years of various things that my sisters collected, you know, basically based on, you know, the, you know, growing up and the successes, you know, of her children. Oh, there goes my uh, buzzer to give Donna her medication, which I'll do as soon as I'm finished with this episode of the podcast. And I looked at all of these and I thought, you know, my world is sitting career-wise in a shoebox. You know, 30, 40 cassette tapes and maybe early compilation compact discs of my work, things that I've been saving to show not so much even others, but myself that like this career that I've been embarking on for the past 35 years actually has meaning to it. And I look at that shoebox from time to time and it's right and it's a door. It's on a door, you know, behind me, I can open the door and and I look at that box and, and I sometimes I p- sort of pick them up when I'm in there looking for something. And I think, wh- why? Why do I have these? Like, what is it saying about me? I mean, I'm not going to put it in a cassette deck and listen to it. I'm not going to share it with somebody. And it's not like I'm going to have a party. We're all going to sit around and listen to Matt's work from 25 years ago. What does it mean? What's it supposed to mean? Should I even have it? What are the things that we should have? And I looked around the living room and I'm thinking, does she ever think that? Like this picture when, you know, their baseball game, you know, Joe was nine years old. I mean, are those, if that was on a glyph drive, would that be saved? Was it, would that be important enough? to, you know, hire a company to try to resurrect the contents of this hard drive? Or is it better to just let these things go? Maybe it was meant to be that these things are not retrievable, that while they're in the past, should they just stay there? And how much importance should we attach to the past? I look at this year and you know, some of the successes and some of the failures of 2022. And I think, do I make amends for that? Do I just let those things go? Do I make a resolution to do something better in 2023? Something that I didn't get a chance to do in 2022. And does it matter all that much that I do that? And if I achieve this thing that I set out to do in 2023, will I be sitting here at this time next year on the 26th of December beating myself up because I didn't achieve it or patting myself on the back because I did achieve it? And since that was in the past, does it really matter all that much? Does it only matter when I'm doing it or that I have done it? These things that 
we attach enough importance to to want to grasp them at the most perilous time because we can't imagine our life without them. Should we be grateful for these things or are these things an albatross? I think one of the things that I would like to have in addition to things is I would like to try to bottle up all of these good feelings that we have during the holidays, both with our families and just the people that we normally encounter when you're out and about during this particular, I want to say the whole month, really, the whole month of December, because once Thanksgiving is over, things really start to churn up. And I'm never really quite certain whether I'm going to be depressed during the Christmas season or whether I'm going to be even more grateful than I'm normally during any other time of the year. And driving home from my sister's, I really felt a little wave of depression kind of overtake me. And I think it almost gave me a reason to make a resolution. And I've never been a big New Year's resolution person because I've had so many past failings with New Year's resolutions mainly because most of them involve, you know, eating and weight loss, and I've never been very good at it. And so I thought to myself, if I could bottle up anything, it would be making an effort to see some family members in particular more often during the year than just waiting for that big Christmas Eve get-together that we have, or the big Thanksgiving Day get-together that we have, when it seems like you check in with people, and they check in with you, and you get the update, and then you never see them for the rest of the year. And I thought, you know, rather than deal with that little wave of depression, maybe it's my job to be more assertive to get together and to reach out to you know family and some friends too during the other 11 months of the year in a strange way i was kind of grateful for having this kind of wave of depression and you know it was the drive home it was kind of bad outside and we had done a lot of traveling around, and, and Donna wasn't really talking a whole lot, which I think is a little bit of a hallmark of this disease, where she's just really silent and quiet, which is very, very, very unlike her. And I was having trouble seeing and driving, and that big get-together was over, and I was just feeling a little... I guess down in the dumps. Rather than turning inward and going deeper in the hole, I felt like it was kind of a victory that I decided to make a decision to be more 
responsive and assertive, especially with family in the upcoming year. And while I don't want to call the news a New Year's resolution, I do feel grateful for digging deep, a little deeper than normal to try to pull myself out. And uh, I guess for that, I'm grateful. I think I've mentioned this person in past podcasts, but there was an old uh, neighborhood uh, friend, and his name was Mark Lux. And he was just kind of like a, a hero to the neighborhood. He was a couple of years older than my twin brother and I, and he was really my twin brother's best friend. But early when we were growing up and in high school years and maybe a first couple of years of college, he was uh, really an iconic figure in a lot of uh, the lives of our family. And he died at a very early age, much earlier than, you know, that people should die. And, you know, cancer claimed him. And, um, but I have one of those things that I would grab while I was running out of the house. And it's a letter for him, like a, like a physical letter that, that came to me in the mail. And I may have been living, I may have been living somewhere, maybe it was in Knoxville that I received this letter. I, I can't quite remember. But this letter was about, I'd come home to visit and I think we were talking about something and I sent him something in the mail. And he had sent a letter to thank me. And in the letter, he said to me, I think that this is only the second letter I've ever written in my whole life. And the fact that he took the time to scribble this letter out to me and to send it is one of those keepsakes, one of those things that I would, would grab, you know, out of the house. And hopefully that I would keep. And I have a little wooden storage container that I've been carting around ever since my days in Washington, D.C., when someone at that station gave me a present. And we didn't know each other very well, but he said, hey, I know you're, uh, you know, you're new here. And, uh, you know, hey, I saw this and I thought, yeah, I mean, yeah, this would be, this, this looks like you. And it's been this little wooden container that I, lo I love. And I've been carrying it around ever since. And I always thought, what a, what a wonderful thing that someone who didn't know me would give me, you know, this gift. And I've always been very grateful for it. So I keep Mark's letter folded up and um, it's just one of those things that I'm very grateful for. And sometimes when I think about what's important, the important things, I sometimes unfurl that note and just not so much read it as I do look at it as sort of a prized possession and something that makes me re- analyze the attachment that I have for things and the importance that I have for things. And so maybe during this new year, maybe if you do anything, maybe you analyze or reestablished where the important things are and where do they reside? And what are those couple things that you can't do without, that you can't live without? And maybe they're the couple of things that keep you going. Maybe they're the couple of things that 
lift you out of the doldrums or they propel you to a, you know, a level that you didn't think was possible just because you maybe finally come to the realization that these are the things that are the bare necessities for me to have. And, and maybe the bare necessities end up for you not even being material things. Maybe they're not things at all. Maybe they're feelings or maybe they're thoughts or maybe they're just behaviors that you pride yourself on. And these are behaviors that you hope to exhibit time and time again because it's just the right thing to do. And uh, so those are the things, that is the thing that I wish for myself in 2023. And those are the things that I wish for you in 2023. So here's hoping that you're staying warm. If you're indeed uh, impacted by, you know, everything uh, weather-wise here in the United States, and if you're not in the United States and you're listening and maybe it's 90 degrees where you're at and you're waiting for a little bit of relief, hopefully you get it. I hope you do. Um, I'm grateful that you're still hanging around downloading, you know, this podcast. And, you know, uh, I would be even more grateful if maybe you would turn somebody else onto it or, you know, let them know that there are other people out here in the world that are trying to be, you know, grateful for stuff. And, um, so that's what I wish for you. And, uh, so there you have it. Uh, the little things, those couple of things that, that, that propel you and, and keep you going and, and I'm grateful. So thank you for uh, downloading and listening to another episode of the Gratitude Journal Podcast and Happy New Year in 2023.